it's Melody Johnson, the financial coach and strategist who wants you to earn more money, save more money, and lead a thriving life. Today, I have a very special guest named Leah. Leah is a social media manager, mother of three, and creator of amazing Instagram content. I interviewed her in this latest show, and I'm really excited to share with you how you can up your Instagram game with the new changes to the Instagram algorithm. So, um, Leah, I know that you and I were talking a little bit about your business. Um, For people who aren't familiar with you, can you just tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and why you do what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Hi there. If you don't know me, I'm Leah and I am a freelance social media manager. So I help small businesses take the overwhelm that can be social media, take that overwhelm out of social media for them. And I also am a full-time entrepreneur. So I have become very aware about boundaries and how important that is, especially working full-time from home. So I also am passionate about helping fellow entrepreneurs have healthy boundaries and with boundary setting. So I'm going to be coming out with a course soon all about that. Wow. So exciting. I didn't know that. You'll have to talk about that in this this, uh, conversation as well. So being a social media manager, there's so many things that you're juggling up in the air. And I know that it can be really overwhelming. So can you just tell us a little bit, like what kind of advice would you tell people who are interested in becoming a social media manager? Yes, absolutely. I think the first thing is to really, I just started diving in, just start researching. So I mean, whether that's with YouTube podcasts, keeping up on social media, there's social media news today and different other platforms where you can read about it and really trying to just first start big, start gathering as much information as you can. And then you're going to kind of whittle down. There might be an area where you specialize if you have experience from your career or just your hobbies and interests. So some people might do, you know, weddings, for example, or something like that. So honing down what you're good at or which platform you really thrive on and you really are passionate about. And um, we both were friends with Latasha James Mm -hmm. and I took her course. She has a great course. So just start finding the information and then also doing case studies. So if you have a friend who maybe they own a small business or they have some kind of a personal brand, it's a great place to start. And you can even do it for your own things as well. Just start practicing. So what I did is I would figure out what analytics am I going to give to clients? So how am I going to present that? How am I going to record that? Things things like that. If you can get ahead of it early, it helps. So it's not so overwhelming once you truly get started. Yeah, absolutely. And I think analytics is one of those things that as new business owners or small business owners, especially with social media, that's not the first thing that we think about. So for people who maybe are interested in maybe making a case study, maybe they're saying, I'd really love to put together some sort of document to kind of showcase or a blog post to share how I helped a friend with their social media, how and what would they actually share in their analytics? What's important for potential clients to know about? Yes, this is a great question. And I think it can depend. So once you are onboarding a new client, you're going to be figuring out what it is that they're looking for, what their goals are with social media. And that's really important too, to figure out. 
asking, kind of turning the tables a little bit on them and saying, well, what are your goals? Really um, helping figure out their expectations and managing those expectations as well is huge. But what I did is things that are given to you on a lot of these apps are helpful. So if you're on Instagram, you know, there you can dig into a business profiles analytics, but you can report on other things as well. So you can see what's the comment to like ratio. So for example, are they getting 5,000 likes, but no comments? Mm-hmm. How is their engagement rate for per post or per week? Things like that, that really show it's not just a vanity metric, not just the number of likes, but how much engagement are they getting? What are their, you know, rates for getting like swipe up if they have that on Instagram or if uh, a link for their website, things like that. So it's going to depend on the client and what they're after, but those sorts of things are where I would start. Oh, wow. That's really good information. And I think, you know, with the engagement, it's so easy to just look at the likes and think, okay, well, the likes is where I want to showcase, like you said, a vanity kind of type thing. But it's more important to actually have real engaging conversation with potential clients, followers. And then if you're a content creator, you know, those people can potentially turn into someone who could follow your website, your podcast, your videos, whatever it is, your business, and maybe turn into a client. And so that's what I really love about what you said about keeping that engagement rate up, using the metrics to show return on investment for potential clients, and then um, creating a way through the onboarding process to really listen in and hone in on the goals that each individual client has. So great tips. Thank you so much. Um, so for uh, y- for our previous conversation, Leah, you talked a little bit on your website about having a background in public relations and advertising. So it seems like it's a, a little bit of a similarity to social media, but not exactly. So how did you kind of transition into social media marketing? Yes. So I have a degree um, in advertising and public relations. And when I got my degree, I mean, there was social media. I'm not not quite that (laughs) old, but it wasn't a career yet. It wasn't something that people weren't majoring in that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a career that you would do in and of itself. And so then I did work in corporate. I did customer service. I worked in management. I did retail management, quite a few things. And then we have three young children, which we mentioned earlier. Um, So I was staying home. They're very, they're close in age and our middle son has special needs. Mm -hmm. So I was already staying home, but then when he was born and it was like, okay, I'm going to need to be available. And I want to be available, of course, for a lot of appointments and different, you know, his care. And now that he's older, um, it's less of that but I still need and want that flexibility. And also just what makes sense financially for us, you know, looking at childcare, but then he would need even different childcare than our other two children. Um, So I needed to be home and I wanted to be home. So at first I was not working outside of the home or at home. I had a blog and I was doing some copywriting to have something that was mine, to have something where I was like, these are things that I'm passionate about or just using my skills. And then eventually I started YouTube because I love video. Um, So I was doing that, but I wasn't making an income. I wasn't providing financially to the household. So I made, I call it coffee money, but I just made, you know, little, (laughs) little bits here and there, like 20, you know, $20 or a hundred, you know, so I was doing that for a while. And then around my 30th birthday, just before that, I felt this huge pull that 
I wanted to have some more of a sense of a career for myself. And I really wanted to use my degree and I missed that part of my life. So I started it. I don't want to say it just all fell into place because it certainly didn't feel like that, but it's very exciting because I was able to take from all these different things, you know, what I was doing with the blog and the YouTube, the experience I had in public relations, customer service management, and make it into a career that I can do from home. So it's really been, I mean, it's not completely where I want it to be yet, but it's well on the way and it's been really exciting. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's great. You, you're with your experience, you kind of tied them all together to create a career that kind of utilized all of your skills, your experience, including your blogs and YouTube posting. And like you said, you know, taking it up a level and creating something through the social media agency and uh, your, your full-time job now, which is, you know, of course, a little bit more flexible with having the kids at home. Um, I think it is incredible because when I think a lot about side hustles and starting a business, a lot of people think, well, you're really going to be completely different from your previous experience. You're going to detach from it. But the reality is that you can use it in a real way to make money and have your own business. And Obviously, you did that. So great. Um, Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And so let me talk a little bit more about motherhood. Now, I'm not a mother yet. And you know, having heard me on a different podcast episode on the Freelance Friday podcast, I was speaking with Latasha James about how I'm adopting. And very similar to you, I really wanted to be there. um, And I want to be there for my children. Now, for people who maybe... um, moms or dads who would like to maybe stay at home and have that flexibility. You talk a lot about boundaries and you mentioned that you're you're interested in maybe um, working on releasing a course about boundaries for entrepreneurs. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how boundaries have helped you sustain yourself and your business? Yeah, absolutely. So I realized very quickly once I was full-time working from home, which it started because I was already home. I wasn't working a nine to five job. It started slowly. You know, I had a client and then I got another client and then I started doing more and more. Um, But my husband also works now full-time and for years and years he was outside, you know, working outside of the home. But now he also works full-time from home with his business. And so that all happened fairly quickly where we were both you know, working full-time at home and it's so exciting. It's what we've wanted for, I mean, the whole time we've been together, we've always, that's kind of been the ultimate, but it is not without a lot of learning. You figure out kind of along the way, but I realized how important having boundaries is because otherwise I would find myself feeling like I was kind of working all the time. So maybe making dinner but also checking emails or responding to things for clients or comments or things like that. And so I felt guilty in my personal life with my family, but I also felt guilty. Like I wasn't quite doing my best work for clients and for my career. So boundaries, and it's a lot of the things that sound simple, but doing them makes a huge difference. So things like I have notifications that I will turn off on my phone for certain hours especially in social media, because of course I have my own personal, you know, social media notifications coming in, but also for clients. That's a big one. And then also just knowing that there is not a perfect balance. If you're looking for it, I don't think you'll find it. Um, 
I think that balance to me is making choices and being happy with those choices, being okay with those choices that you're making for your family and for your work. Um, and also always in contracts, please, everyone say you're working hours and you're working days. That makes a huge difference because you aren't setting a precedent of, yes, I'm going to respond to you at 11 PM on a Friday night or 2 AM or crazy times. So I try to set those and then also stick to them because otherwise they'll, without even realizing it, they'll expect you to be at beck and call. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's really incredible because I think that one thing as uh, someone who recently transitioned to working full-time from home, it can be quite easy to check your emails and on your phone and often, you know, you know, someone who really wants to hear back from you, you, you want to, try and please them. And um, I know the one book that really has helped me in the past work through personal boundaries before has been uh, the book Boundaries. <laughs> um, and I, I think that as an entrepreneur, especially working from home, there are often uh, this merging of two types of things, work and family. And so previously, if you work outside the home, you have a very clear distinction. You go to the office, you work at the office, you come back home or wherever it is that you work. But when you work at home, it's you're at home, you're working, you might be doing the dishes or, oh, yeah, I need to go take out the trash or, oh, somebody needs to get a phone call. Somebody needs to go check the house and get something fixed. So it's kind of this weird mesh. And so what I've tried to do is to talk to through my husband and say okay so here's the hours that I'm going to be working and just to let you know I might not always answer your text messages really quickly because I'm working same thing vice versa with clients okay so here's my working hours on my calendar you can set up an appointment at this time after those time periods you'll have to work something special out with me things are flexible however these are my working hours. And if, you know, something else happens, that's an emergency, you let me know. But I like that you said putting it in the contract that gives a really clear distinction. Yes. And I mean, no one's perfect. There's going to be emergencies. You can give yourself and your client grace, but I think just having it in general, one thing that's helped me also is for example, if on a Sunday, I try not to work on Sundays for clients, I'll work for my personal brand, but for clients, I try to keep that during the week as best I can. Mm -hmm. But of course there's going to be times when I am doing work or I'm responding to things. I'll try to set the time so that the email will go out Monday morning at 8 AM or things like that just to keep it. And it's, again, it's not perfect, Mm -hmm. but having that in my head, it does help. Yeah. I like that. And I just recently found out on Gmail that I could schedule my emails to go out. Um, And I do use a scheduler for like an email marketing software, but I have occasional client work that I want to send out through my personal uh, that's linked up to my business email through Gmail. And so I just realized that. And so great, great point. Scheduling it out to show, hey, here is I'm, I'm working through my hours. Yes. Okay. So speaking of your Instagram, it's absolutely beautifully curated. Um, and I know it sounds like you're very organized. So how do you plan out your content? That is a great question. And I do schedule it out, although I will be the first to admit I'm not as organized with my own as I am with clients. That's just the reality of it. Um, but I do. I have a theme on my Instagram, on my grid. And you can do this lots of ways. You know, some people will do color themes. Of course, you'll see where they use maybe all oranges and whites or, you know, all bright 
really muted colors. Um, what I've chosen to do is I use quotes and I love Disney and I have Disney isn't my YouTube channel. It's all about Disney. So I've used that to keep my brand. So it's always talking about my messages, but I use Disney quotes as a way to sprinkle in a bit of my personality. It's a fun little, okay, we can remember Leah loves Disney. It's a little anecdote and easy thing to remember, but it also serves as a way to keep the theme on my Instagram looking nice. So I, every third post will put um, a quote. So then it's columns going down. So whenever you look at my grid, it looks you know, very well curated, or at least hopefully very well it curated yeah, very. because, yeah, yeah. Because using that every third really helps. So, I mean, a food blogger could do a dessert picture every third thing. You can do little things, um, that will help it to always have that look. Yeah. And, and I do love that. And I know that there's plenty of different resources that help you visually preview that function. I know, um, I like later. I know some people like Planoly as a way to pre-schedule and view the grid and how it looks and appears. For your clients, do you actually utilize a specific software to schedule your content out on Instagram? Yes. And this is a hard one, I think, because there's there are a ton of great ones and people have their favorites. There's always new ones coming out. And I have one client, for example, who they have a paid software. So for them, I use that one because they are paying for it for me and it's Hootsuite, mm -hmm. which is great. It's a fine one. I like it. Um, the one that I would suggest if you're just starting out, I love Buffer mm -hmm. and I still use Buffer for a couple of clients mm -hmm. and for myself because it's so user-friendly mm -hmm. and they have a great free version um, that you can use. I use it for Instagram and Facebook, but I think that just kind of don't overwhelm yourself too much because I find even with myself now, I'll hear about a new one and I'll think, well, that sounds great, but I, it's too much. So I think starting small, pick one or two. I do like um, later and Planoly as well, because I like to be able to see ahead what's going to happen. Um, and there's also apps where you can plug in a picture to see what that's going to look like on your neck, you know, as your next photo on your Instagram, that is helpful for a lot of people as well. But I think try to just pick one and start with it and you can kind of go from there. I also love Tailwind. Mm -hmm. That's another really good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tailwind is great. And I love them for Pinterest. Um, I'm going to hopefully have a conversation about Tailwind later because it's so great. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll have to listen to that for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I would love to, to know a little bit about your love for Disney. I know that you post these really wonderful, inspiring quotes. And um, could you talk a little bit how is how did why did you choose Disney? Obviously, you love it. And um, if you could say, what is your favorite? Who is your favorite princess? If you have one? Yeah, absolutely. So it I've always loved Disney. And I always I, I joke that I'm a glass like three quarters of the way full. Like I'm just a very naturally, like I try to be very happy and upbeat, you know, looking for the good in a situation. And I always have loved Disney. Um, but once we took our kids for the first time and they've only been once, but we went on a big family trip and I loved it. Planning it was so fun. I was already doing YouTube, um, but that started just getting me into 
planning it and talking about it and researching things. And my husband and I both really enjoy all the behind the scenes and the history of rides and things like that. So it's just something that I've really come to love even more the past few years. And I decided to sprinkle it into my brand for my social media because it kind of naturally worked that way. I was doing YouTube and that's how my first big client for my social media, I found them because I actually had done, I did a sponsored video for them. And so then I reached out when I noticed something missing for their social media. Um, And so I reached out and we had a meeting and now I've been doing social media work for them for over a year, but it kind of naturally came that way. So a few of the brands that I work with are Disney related. Mm. Um, They do something to do with Disney, Disney travel. So it just felt natural. And it was a nice way to sprinkle a little bit about me into the brand. Um, And I just love it. So, and in terms of favorite, my favorite is Aurora. Okay, I can see that. (laughs) And that's Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And that is many reasons, but the easiest one is that her father in the movie is King Stefan. Oh. (laughs) And I'm married to Stefan. Yeah. And uh, spelled different, but still same name. And then the queen, her mother is Queen Leah. So Stefan and Leah, which our daughter is not named Aurora. That's everyone's (laughs) next question. No, she's not. But (laughs) we love Aurora and we love Aurora merch. So that's so cool. Yeah. I I love, um, I, I lived in Anaheim, California or I lived in Irvine which is near Anaheim and so we went to Disneyland a couple of times and I still haven't gone to Disney World it's on my list of, of places to go for sure and I, I've yes. heard so many great things. When you things. do let me know and <laughs> I'll, I'll help you. <laughs> Give me all of the recommendations yeah. I'll read all the blog posts. <laughs> yeah. Okay so um, going back to kind of your in- Instagram and social media management um, some people really have asked questions before to me about Instagram stories and how to utilize it in their business. So if you could recommend some good tips on Instagram stories and how to actually leverage it to build engagement and connections, how do you do that? Yes, absolutely. So what I do is I try to, no matter what I'm talking about on Instagram stories, I always relate it back to my content pillars, the main things that I'm talking about with my brand and my business. And so even if it is something, for example, if I'm out to eat with my husband during the day and I mention it, you know, I take a picture or a video of us at a restaurant, I would then relate that to the fact that, you know, Hey, we're able to do this because I work from home or, you know, I somehow will relate that Mm -hmm. to my main messaging. And I think that's really important so that it's not noisy. Um, And then a little tip is captioning, which I, some people choose to do a story and then just, they type in text, which is fine. That kind of summarizes what they're speaking about, or that way people can put the sound on. But so many people watch Instagram stories at work or you know they just do it with the sound off and i mean i do as well so having the captioning is really inclusive and it gets people are actually going to pay attention to what you're seeing and not just be like oh there's leah rambling on about who knows what so that's really helped me um and then also just getting feedback using uh the polls is wonderful using the questions things like that to just keep hitting home your message and it's you're 
you're brainwashing, but in a good way. So you're constantly talking about those things. So when they say, oh, hey, there's Melody. It's like, oh, right. I know this, this, and this about her. You know, I know her financial stuff. I know where she, you know, she lives in Traverse City and she's, you know, these little bits um, so that people always know, okay, right. Leah talks about boundaries, social media, and Disney. So that's always hitting hitting home there. Yes, I love that. And and there's a great, um, I had gone to, Actually, I think you were there, or maybe you were there at a different time. Um, we were. T- I was. There. You were there, know, yeah. right? That's where. <laughs> yeah, diff- we were in a different. I think we overlapped. Yeah, I don't know if you, you were, were before com- me or after. I was after. You were just leaving, I think. Okay, so for people who are just listening, um, both Leah and I attended this great meeting, and it was about social media and planning out your content. And Latasha James, who we talked about on the Freelance Friday podcast, she talks about planning things out and having pillars of content. And so just as Leah was saying how her pillars are boundaries, Disney, and I don't know, working from home, um, you can plan it out and, and, you know, four or five different pillars or three, you know, whatever it is that you have. And then creating content that actually is based off of that will really help to bring and tie everything together to be a little bit more cohesive because I know a lot of times if you're just starting out with Instagram or any social media it can feel like what am I supposed to post about I don't know so it kind of takes away that fear of I'm not sure what to to post about and then going okay I know it's going to be related to one of these three things and honing it down from there so great okay so um geotagging I just have a question about that um I know that a lot of people don't really actually use this feature in Instagram. So can you talk about what geotagging is and how it can help businesses improve their visibility? Yes. So geotagging is when you post, you can add a location to your post. So this can be very general. So you could put USA, you could put Michigan, you could put be very vague with it, or you can get very specific. Um, now, of course, I wouldn't suggest you posting your house because of safety things, but it's a great thing to utilize because anyone who is clicking on that geotag that anyone posts can find your post. So it's a great thing for visibility. So for example, if you were to do Traverse City, or if I were doing, if I was at Magic Kingdom at Disney World, or even more specific, a restaurant, anyone who clicks that will be able to see, you know, you'll show up there. So that's one thing. And then another reason that it's really beneficial is especially if you are, if you're a brick and mortar business. So if you're a women's boutique and people are going to tag, if they, you know, go to your shop and they get a great skirt or they take a picture and you have a great spot for them to take a picture and then they do a post and they tag your store, your place, you can use that. That's user generated content. So you might get a great picture of somebody, you know, in an outfit from your store or at your restaurant or in your city. And it's a great way to find that content as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially even for people who work from home too, like maybe if you're out and about for coaches, I know I have um, some of our listeners are financial coaches. And so having the ability to tag yourself when you're out having dinner, like you said, or, you know, maybe you find a really cute spot in the city that's uh, really, you know, photogenic and aesthetically pleasing to look at, then you think, oh, I'm just going to take a cute photo here, tag it. And and then, you know, that's a location where people can who are local might be able to find you along with some hashtags um, in your captions. Um, so 
I know that you uh, kind of have talked a lot about the different strategies um, for Instagram. Now, speaking of hashtags, do you have any kind of tips for people who are trying to figure out how do they use hashtags and how do they actually use those hashtags to bring in new potential clients? What would you say about hashtags? Yes, I think this is a great question. I think that now we're at a point where most people know what a hashtag is, generally speaking. So you might even see someone who isn't trying to use it for a brand or a business, you know, a friend on Facebook, maybe you'll see them hashtag photography or hashtag coffee or something. So people have a vague understanding of what a hashtag is. But what I see a lot is that people will, for example, a wedding photographer might use the hashtag photography. If you search photography, there's 5 million hashtags. And so unless you are a giant account, you're not going to be found. You're not going to come up for that. So it's not a great way to be utilizing hashtags, but you can start whittling it down. So for example, if you're a Michigan wedding photographer, even that's probably going to have a couple hundred thousand. But if you go Traverse City wedding, or if you get it more and more niche down to where you're in a pool with say 5,000 or a thousand people, depending again on your size, your audience reach at, the, at that point. But for someone like me, I'm going to go after those smaller, slightly more niched hashtags, because if I'm posting a few times a week and then I do that for a year, well, there you go. You know, you're going to have maybe a hundred photos in that spot. So it's going to really increase your visibility that way. Um, so try to niche it down. So people are on the right path, but I think once you niche down, that's where you're going to see it working for you. Mm -hmm. I think that that's important. And I've, I've spoken to a couple of other people about the importance of niching down, especially, you know, with having a side business. What clientele do you have? What is their problems? What are their goals, aspirations? How can you inspire them? How can you engage with them? How can you build a relationship around social media? So this has all been really fantastic. And I, I love what you've brought to building up your business, working from home, balancing your work, your life, your marriage, your family. Amazing what you've done. Um, so if somebody was really interested in learning more about your business, how could they get in contact with you? Yes. So leatacklesocial.com is my website. And you can also email me at hello at leatacklesocial.com. And on Instagram. I love to be on Instagram. So I'm Leah Tackles on Instagram. So those are the best spots to find me. Wonderful. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes and on my website at herdesignlife.com. Thank you again, Leah, for joining me today and talking about all the wonders of Instagram and working from home. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, today I'm going to be sharing a quick question regarding Instagram's algorithm. This person, a dear friend of mine asked, now that Instagram is really reserving a lot of priority in their algorithm for the pay to play content, is there a way for me to consistently post great content and still reach my audience with this change? Great question. So I did ask this question to Leah and I got a really great response. 
Leah says, it's true that Instagram is wanting businesses to pay to play, but there are still organic strategies that can and should be implemented whether you're building your Instagram completely organically or combining organic growth with paid boosts. She continues by providing some quick tips for excellent organic Instagram and visibility, including creating shareable content, give value, whether that's advice or entertainment, and use the 80% content value and 20% sales content mix rule. She also really strongly advises your analytics so that you can see your engagement and growth in comment to like ratio, save, shares, etc. So for those who aren't already familiar, Instagram did change their algorithm to not only share content that includes high visibility likes for their content, meaning that you no longer will see the content that says so-and-so has liked your post along with 93 others. So previously, Instagram was really boosting those posts in people's feeds. So I do think that although that feature is no longer available currently and uh, it's still in the, the beta testing phase from what I understand in certain areas and demographics in the United States, there is something to say about that algorithm in terms of creating content, looking at the analytics and still seeing what is popular as well as engaging with other people and listening to stories. So that is it for today. Thank you again for listening in and being a valuable part of this community. If you haven't already, head over to Facebook. I have a great community there. And I'm putting together something really neat around the holidays. From me to you, I hope you have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. Take care, stay warm, and tell me something that you love about the fall because we all know we're actually thinking about the winter by now. Have a good one, guys. I'll see you and hear you until next week.